morning. Welcome to the KB Podcast. I'm Kaylee. And I'm Brittany. We're coming to you live from KB Studios on November 22nd, 2019. This is the first podcast of the three-part series on the book Refugee. Today, we will be interviewing Isabel and Joseph. Isabel is an immigrant from Cuba in 1994, escaping Fidel Castro. Joseph is a Jew from Berlin, Germany in 1938. First, we will hear from Isabel. Welcome, Isabel, to the KB Podcast. We are so excited to have you here today. Now, let's get started. Can you describe how you and your family felt when the police were shooting at your boat? We felt like we were animals. How could the officers shoot at two of their coworkers for just wanting to escape? The shooters, which were the police, are supposed to protect us, not kill us. It was very scary to be in the line of fire. We did not know if we were going to make it or if the boat was going to go fast enough. If they caught us or killed us, there was no way we were going to survive. Wow, what a terrifying start to your journey. How did you decide it was best to sell your trumpet? I knew I needed to sell my trumpet for gas or my family was gonna die here in Havana. And I quote, I don't have any money, I said, but I have this. I held out the trumpet. I regretted that its brass was a little tarnished, but it was the most valuable thing I owned, and the fishermen had to take it in trade. The trumpet was my favorite object in the world, but my family means more than material objects. More than anything, I wanted to seek refuge with my family and feel safe for once. Even though it sounds like it would be a hard decision, selling my trumpet was one of the easiest decisions I made on my entire journey. Wow, selling my favorite object would have been so difficult, but you did it with such ease. What would have happened if the Castillos did not let you join them on their boat? I am very thankful to the Castillos. If they had not let us join them on their small boat, we would probably be dead in Havana. I could not imagine how my life would be if we were still in Cuba and alive. Life would probably still be a living hell. I am so glad you got out of Havana when you did. After your journey, do you have a better solution for how other families from Havana can escape the country? If you are still living in Cuba, Reach out to refugee camps in the United States and ask for assistance. During my journey, we were not as prepared as we should have been. I would suggest that you be as prepared as possible and not rush if you do not have to. Work with others around you who are also trying to escape. There are people out there who are willing to help. You are not hated by everyone, I promise. I hope someone listening takes your advice and gets the help they need. If you could go back, what is one thing you wish you could change about your journey? If I could go back, I would have worked with the Castillo family sooner to make a bigger boat to hold all of our family members. 
Ivan's father and my father could have worked together to make a stronger motor and we might not have had as many problems on our journey. Ivan probably would have even Ivan probably would not have even died and I would do anything to have my best friend back. I completely agree. A bigger boat would have been a tremendous help. Can you tell us your experience when your mother gave birth on the small boat? When my mother was giving birth, it was a very traumatic experience. And I quote, My mother cried out, It's coming! It's coming! I didn't know if she meant the baby or the Coast Guard. It was also very emotional. We did not know that mom was going to give birth on the boat and we were definitely not prepared. In the long run, I will be able to look back and think of the miraculous event of my brother being born on this small boat. Wow, it's scary enough to have a baby in the hospital, but having a baby on a small boat in the middle of the ocean, that's something you'll never forget. How did you feel when your family was finally safe in your new town? I am very thankful to now have a safe place to call home with most of my family. I am glad to be in school and have a trumpet to play. I finally feel safe and I no longer have to worry about riots and being killed. Wow, I am so glad you are safe and have a trumpet to play again. How did you feel when Ivan died? Well, I lost my best friend. I no longer have someone my age to share this journey with. I have nightmares about seeing Ivan getting ate by a shark. That could have just as easily been me, but I lost my best friend instead. I'm so sorry you had to endure that. No one should ever have to watch their best friend die. Thank you, Isabel, for answering all those questions for us. Next on the show will be Joseph from Berlin, Germany. Welcome, Joseph, all the way from Germany to the KB podcast. Now let's get started. How did you feel when you were woken up in the middle of the night of the broken glass? I felt pure terror. I was woken up from a deep sleep and heard breaking of glass and furniture being torn apart. I was in a state of pure shock at first because I couldn't believe what was going on in front of me. At first, I thought it was a nightmare, but then I realized I was actually living through this. That must have been terrifying. Did you think you would ever see your father again after he was taken away from your family and sent off to a concentration camp? My mind was full of awful thoughts about what my father was enduring during this time at the concentration camp. I had heard horror stories of what happened to people who went to concentration camps. I truly didn't believe that I would ever see my father again. I couldn't imagine losing my dad for any period of time. Can you describe what it made you feel like when you were brought up in front of the class and used as an example of what Jews look like? I had no idea what was going to happen when the teacher called me to go to the front of the room. 
I got up there, and the teacher said, and I quote, he turned me this way and that, pointing out the curve of my nose and the slant of my chin. It was so humiliating. The teacher even had pictures on the board comparing Germans to Jews. They treated us as if we weren't even human. I couldn't imagine the humiliation from someone I trusted so much like a teacher. What was going through your mind as you were talking through the non-Jewish section of the train? It was a rush. You know how when you are doing something wrong that you know you shouldn't be doing, but you decide to do it anyway? That was that feeling. The Germans had no idea that I wasn't supposed to be there. They couldn't tell that I was a Jew by just looking at me. I didn't see the difference between myself and the passengers around me. I was fitting right into the crowd until my armband slipped out of my coat pocket and suddenly the rush ended. I knew in that moment I had messed up severely. That must have been a big adrenaline rush for you. Can you describe how it felt to be on the boat and not have to be invisible anymore? For the first time in so long, I could be myself. I did not have to have an armband to show who I was, and I didn't have to walk on separate streets or shop in different areas. I was the new normal. I had almost forgotten what that felt like because I had been the outcast for so long in Germany. I was able to be a kid on the boat, and I quote, I hadn't played like this, hadn't laughed like this, in years. Wow, I couldn't imagine feeling invisible. What do you think might happen if you weren't allowed to get on the boat? If my family and I would have been denied access to the boat, I believe we would have all been stuck in concentration camps. The thought of my mom and Ruthie being stuck in a camp was debilitating. I was the man of the house and I could not let them get my mom and Ruthie. I was determined to do whatever necessary to make sure we got on that boat and never returned to Germany. That must have been hard becoming the paternal figure of your household at such a young age. When you were on the boat, how did you decide that it was necessary to slap your father so that he would pass inspection with the doctors? Slapping my father was a gut-wrenching decision. I knew that I was the man of the house now, and I needed to do whatever necessary to get my family to Cuba. Yet, he's still my father and deserves to be respected. It was a life-or-death choice for me. I knew if I didn't do it, we would not have been allowed off the boat and been sent back to a concentration camp. Still to this day, I have knots in my stomach when I think about my hand hitting his cold face. Yet, I do not regret my decision because it helped get my family to safety. I don't know if I could ever slap my father in that way. I applaud you for your bravery. What solutions do you have to offer to make Germany a hospital environment for Jewish people again? Before Jewish people will ever be able to return to Germany, Hitler needs to be removed from office. He has convinced the people that Jews are awful people. I think that if Hitler gets out of office, people need to meet Jews and talk with them to realize that we are the same as them. We might just have different beliefs. I couldn't agree more. 
What was it like to finally be in France and then have France be invaded by the Nazis? I felt safe. I felt like we had finally made it. After being on the boat for so long, I wasn't sure if we would ever taste freedom again. Stepping on a dry land and being welcomed into France gave me hope and humanity again. I felt a breath of fresh air. For the first time in so long, I was able to be me. I even started school again. Yet, not long after being in France, it was invaded by the Germans, and my mom, Ruthie, and I were on the run for our lives once again. I couldn't imagine having to endure that all over again. Thank you, Joseph, for sharing your story. In today's episode, we heard Isabel's frightening journey from Cuba to the U.S. She traveled by a handmade boat with her family and neighbors. On their journey, they endured harsh weather, dodging large ships, and losing their sense of direction. We also heard the heart-wrenching story from Joseph about his journey to France from Germany. He traveled by cruise ship to Cuba, where they were turned away by officials and sent to France. On the boat, Joseph had to switch roles with his father and become the paternal figure. Tune in next week for the second podcast of the series on the book Refugee, where we hear from Mohammed and Mr. Castillo. Thank you for listening to the KB Podcast.